All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. Today we have with us Dr. Dana Burl and Liz Kettle, who is a nurse midwife, who will be talking to us today about feedback. So Dr. Burl is residency program director and assistant professor at the Alpert Medical School of Brown University. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Burl. Thanks for having me. Then Liz is teaching associate and, as Faye said, certified nurse midwife, also at the Alpert Medical School and Women and Infants Hospital of Rhode Island. Thanks for coming back and joining us again, Liz. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. So I guess what are going to be the objectives for today's podcast? So today we wanted to talk to you guys about feedback. So important in all realms of life, but certainly in residency education. Um, So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about why we think feedback is important, about barriers and challenges to giving feedback, and we wanted to give you guys some tips for giving successful feedback. So let's start with the first question, um, Dr. Burrell and Liz. Why is feedback important? Feedback provides the impetus to modify behavior. One of my favorite examples to use with learners is Michelle Obama. In 2008, her image and controversial remarks threatened to derail her husband's election campaign. Yet with some personalized attention to her content and style, she was able to reshape her image into one that is much loved today. In her book, she describes the painful process of watching and re-watching videos of herself with a consultant who gave her feedback, not only on content, but on body language and even her clothing. The point I like to make to learners is that even the most well-revered, polished-appearing celebrities had to start somewhere, and they likely received some feedback along the way that guides who they are today. Well, that's a great start, Liz, and thanks for that story. I, it nicely sets the stage for us in talking about feedback today. Dr. Burrow, where do we go from here? You know, so another thing that Liz and I talked about was that feedback is widely used to improve performance. I was going to give you guys a number of personal examples, but then when I was talking to my husband, Mark, about this, he brought up the point of Michael Jordan yet again. Mark is an (laughs) avid (laughs) University of North Carolina fan, and as such, it's taken over my life, and as such, I know a ton about Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan, interestingly, failed to make his high school basketball team as a sophomore, which is fairly remarkable. But through hard work and the feedback of his coaches, he earned a scholarship to the University of North Carolina and became literally the greatest basketball player ever. I, I asked how that was actually named, and it was it's actually he is literally the greatest basketball player ever. And I feel like that's pretty amazing, and it's just an example of the phenomenal impact that a teacher can have and with a learner who's really ready to embrace an opportunity. Um, Anything else, Liz, regarding feedback? Sure. So I like to think of feedback as the path we use to forge our way to meeting our goals and objectives. This is intuitive, right? With every job, every task, everything we do, there is some sort of goal or end point. By breaking down the steps necessary to achieve our goals, daily feedback makes objectives attainable. All right. So I think we've established at this point feedback is important. It's something that needs to be part of our daily lives to get better. But there's a lot of problems with feedback, I guess, giving and receiving. Do you guys mind talking a little bit about those things? 
Yeah. So when I, I've brought this up um, or been part of conferences where we've talked about feedback, the number one thing that people often complain of is that there's just no time to give feedback. And it is. It's it's a huge challenge. We are all busy in our everyday lives. And it's it's so true. All busy all the time. And we don't have time for feedback, but let's take you guys as chief residents. Your pagers are going off nonstop. Your phone is ringing with somebody asking you to do something that really isn't your job. Orders need to be done. H&Ps need to be written. There's a there's just not enough time. It's a really hard thing to define, but it's necessary. What about giving feedback to someone who's not really engaged in what you're doing? That's been a big challenge for me, especially. You're absolutely right. Uh, the unengaged learner, Faye, can be one of our biggest challenges. That's typically a situation in which, for whatever reason, the learner doesn't feel like his or her performance in your arena is important and therefore may both perform poorly and lack interest in the feedback you have for them. So um, some examples you know, here would include maybe medical students or residents on rotations and specialties or subspecialties in which they have no interest or perceive them to be irrelevant to their training. Uh, this can also occur in scenarios in which the learner does not perceive the giver of feedback as someone worthy of assessing her performance. And this, you know, this can include things like feedback from nurses or other non-physician team members, or even sometimes uh, the feedback they get from patients. In order to be successful in, in the case of an unengaged learner, I've found it really helpful to first address with them the lack of um, you know, engagement that you're observing and explore the root of it. Perhaps it's something that you hadn't anticipated, uh, and then see if the learner can introspect and ultimately engage in the rotation and change their behavior. And I guess that's a challenging situation, particularly because I feel like when I'm trying to address something like that, or even, you know, trying to be a part of a team and move things along, I feel like I could be like a mean person, you know, what about that? Yeah, people are always very concerned about being the mean individual. There's so many emotions involved, especially when you're talking about residents, co-residents, and medical students, and even faculty members. Are we friends? Am I your colleague? Am I your senior? How am I all those things at the same time? Being perceived as mean or disruptive to a relationship is a really common concern, especially among new residents, new senior residents, or younger faculty members, and no one really wants to be perceived as being mean. But at the end of the day, you have to take, take a step back and realize that you really aren't being mean. You're being helpful and productive. You're trying to help that learner be the best version of self, themselves that they can absolutely be. Going off of that, Dr. Burrell, I sometimes feel unconfident or not confident when I'm giving feedback to junior residents, mostly because I feel like I'm still a learner and like I'm not an expert in that subject. Is there anything that you guys can talk about with regards to that? Yes, Faye, absolutely. That's another common scenario we come across when it's oftentimes the case with residents or new faculty where they feel uncomfortable providing feedback because they don't yet feel like experts themselves. I'll hear things like, how can I possibly tell someone how to improve her technique on something I've only ever done three times? Of course, um, these scenarios are challenging. There's really no way around it. Um, but it's important to step back and think about how, although you don't feel like an expert just yet, your role in this case is really important. You do, in fact, have information that will be helpful. And what I suggest is try to think back to the advice you were given. You know, what guided you through a similar case when it was your first? No, these are all really helpful to think about and contextualize all of these challenges. What other tips do you guys have for 
giving feedback or receiving feedback or just kind of making a successful environment for it? Yeah, so I think the first thing is overcoming that first biggest barrier, which is defining the time. So you want to plan in advance, and with whoever your learner is, whoever you're planning to give feedback to, you want to set that expectation that feedback is going to happen on a regular basis, whether it's after each procedure, after each delivery, or on a weekly basis, whatever makes the most sense for that learning environment. When people know what to expect and when the time is defined, both the person who's giving the feedback and the person who's receiving it will be less anxious and it will be really more likely to have an impact. Another tip uh, I have for you guys is to create a positive learning environment. Setting the stage for a positive learning environment can really optimize your ability to give and the learner's ability to receive the feedback that's coming. If possible, try to find a private space away from the direct clinical area and try to pay attention to the learner's needs. Has he been in the OR all day? Would it be helpful to get water, coffee, or a sandwich before the feedback session? We're going to talk a little more about sandwiches in just a minute, so stay tuned. Um, and also pay attention to the small talk you've had with him. Do you remember any relevant details in his world? How's that patient from yesterday doing? Is your baby sleeping through the night yet? Are you getting settled into your new place? You get the idea here, but you're demonstrating that you care about the learner as a person, and you're providing feedback because you care. You're invested in his development and really want him to be successful. So another really helpful hint is to actually verbalize that the feedback is happening. This sounds incredibly silly, um, but when I started as an associate program director in a prior job, the faculty member I was taking over for gave me many pieces of helpful advice, but this one was probably the most surprising and as a result has really stuck with me to this day. One of our most consistent comments from residents was that they weren't receiving feedback, and this was to a woman who I knew was sitting down with each resident 15 to 30 minutes of each rotation to really go through things that were going well and things that perhaps weren't. So as she got that feedback, she, start, she started to define the feedback session with, this is your feedback session, and the perception actually immediately improved. It's so, it's so silly, but it's true. Meetings with somebody who's senior to you can really um, provoke stress and anxiety, and therefore your messaging can be lost if you don't just take a break, take a moment, and define what's happening. You can acknowledge the purpose of the meeting in a relaxed manner and move forward. Another important tip is to allow the learner to self-assess. Having the learner tell you what, about what she thinks went well and what can be improved upon lends tremendous insight that can make your ability to deliver the feedback much more impactful. You know, if your views align, it can be a mutually rewarding uh, experience and it strengthens your relationship with that learner. Uh, you can validate her observations that they're similar to yours and that will strengthen her confidence. Uh, unfortunately, if there's a discrepancy, however, you're going to need to take a deeper dive to understand exactly where and how you perceive the performance to be different. Um, and this, uh, you know, investigation may guide how you decide to approach the delivery of the feedback you plan to give. So you guys talked about sandwiches earlier. When are we getting to that? <laughs> Why not now, Nick? Great. <laughs> so perhaps one of the most historic, best defined ways of actually delivering feedback is the feedback sandwich. The feedback sandwich is very straightforward. It's a positive followed by an area improvement followed by a positive. The area for improvement is sandwiched between the positives. What the takeaway is is that you're always ending on a positive. 
I think it's a great place to start when you're giving feedback because it's super concrete, particularly for somebody who might not be comfortable in these scenarios. So the content, as we, dis as we discussed, is to start with some sort of positive of what's going on, roll it into the area for improvement, and remember, in that area, you are not trying to criticize somebody. You're trying to provide them specific information to reinforce or change a behavior. And you cannot change somebody's personality. You have to focus on behaviors that you can impact. And then you end with a positive or a goal to accomplish. So of course I use this in our residency program, but I use this in my everyday life all of the time. For example, my six-year-old Finn, who you guys have met, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Finn, Great job brushing your teeth today without being asked. But it seems like there's toothpaste mysteriously all over the bathroom, including on the toilet. Hoping next time you can keep it on your brush and put the cap back on. But I really do appreciate the fact that I did not have to remind you. A good job. <laughs> <laughs> now I know Finn. He's a high energy kid. He's always looking for what's next. And therefore he has the tendency to bounce around and do things quickly, like probably drop his toothbrush and his toothpaste and put both back in his mouth during the time that he was brushing his teeth. But I know that as a type A mom, although I would love to change his personality, I can't. I just have to try to encourage skills and behaviors that will help him be his best self and accomplish these goals. That all said, the sandwich is getting a bad rap in the literature of being overused and many students complaining about it being predictable. So what do we have to say about that? Well, spice it up. Add in condiments, some dill pickles, some pesto. Make it interesting. Or Liz and I were actually thinking about some alternative approaches. We could make a sushi roll of feedback and the nori rice outside could represent the background, the positive. The tougher nori represents the area for improvement. The spicy tuna on the inside represents the end goals, the part of the bite that makes it all come together. Or you can go with the sundae. The ice cream represents the background and the positive. It comes in so many flavors. The toppings represent the areas for improvement, also many varieties, some small and concise like sprinkles or some more widespread like the hot fudge. The whipped cream and the cherry are all bonuses on the top, the plans and the goals. Whatever you choose, it's just a way of thinking of things in a constructive way that allow you to give feedback in a more comfortable fashion. So clearly there's a lot of food involved in our residency. <laughs> Is there, are there other tips that you have for us, Liz? Sure thing. Yes, I'm getting hungry. Um, you do want to engage your learner in a dialogue. Make it clear that this is a two-way process. So we've talked about how we address what they've done well and what needs to be worked on. Um, and when the, whether we do that in the form of a smoothie, a sandwich, a pizza, a lasagna, we need to close the loop and ask about the barriers that he or she may be experiencing with respect to accomplishing their goals. And, and you really do need to listen openly to her perspectives on how her learning and performance can be optimized. This is really a crucial part of the process. And you need to be prepared. This dialogue can include feedback on your institution and your teaching style and perhaps even things you haven't anticipated. And lastly, at the end of your feedback session, you want to set some goals. You want to feed information back to the learner for them to take home something for them to work on. I really think this is it. It's arguably the most important part of the whole feedback session. Setting goals to improve, how do you meet those goals, what tools you need for success, and how are you going to measure that success. 
As the person giving the feedback, you want to make sure you have a follow-up plan. Recognize when somebody is meeting the goals and acknowledge their effort to get, get there. And that's positive reinforcement. It will make them feel better and more productive. Dr. Burrell, Liz, thank you guys for joining us and helping us foray into really talking about MedEd on Creogs Over Coffee. I don't think we've really done this before. No, we haven't. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having you guys. We love medical education. And Creogs Over Coffee. All right, Faye, why don't we sum it up? All right. So first we talked about why feedback was important. And Liz provided a great example with Michelle Obama regarding how feedback is really important to modifying behavior and can improve performance. And also it's a way for us to be able to meet our goals and objectives. We then moved on into talking about a lot of the barriers and challenges with respect to feedback. Those challenges in particular can be time, an unengaged learner, not wanting to be perceived as mean, or not feeling like an expert in the subject. We talked about things that can help us overcome those barriers and really trying to move past them again because of the importance of feedback. So the first of these tips was to actually define the time and define the time to give feedback because we're all busy people. Next, we talked about creating a positive learning environment and setting the stage so that way your feedback and the ability to give and receive feedback is optimized. We then talked about how during your feedback session, you should actually tell the person that you're giving feedback to that you're giving them feedback. You should then allow the learner to really have the time and the space to self-assess. Ask them what they think they did well and what they feel like they can improve upon. We then talked about the feedback sandwich or potentially the feedback smoothie, sushi, sundae, or taco. Essentially, what we're trying to do here is to give the person that you're giving feedback to something positive, then giving them an area for improvement, and then also setting goals. You should always engage in a dialogue with your learner. Again, go back and forth about what they've done well and what they need to work on, whatever your form or food of choice is. And finally, the last tip is to set goals and to make sure that you follow up with the person that you're giving feedback to to make sure that they're achieving these goals. All right, I think that does it. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed our podcast, go ahead and go on to Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and give us a five-star rating and review. Find us online on social media and share with us your favorite feedback foods on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee 1, on Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee, on Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee, or if you love the show, find us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Coffee. You can support us, get a shout out, some swag, or something more exciting. You want to read more about feedback, go ahead and go on our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com. And finally, if you have an idea for a future show or want to send us some feedback, head over and send us an email, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>